0: Greetings ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment, so that the great algorithm in all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 12. To Seize Destiny. Three sat in a command couch buried deep in the bowels of the Meridian station, boring over the hovering 3D map of the space near Dodge. The planet's belt was near complete, a series of stations and shipyards connected to the giant rail transit system capable of rapidly moving goods and passengers from one point to another. Perhaps more importantly, the vault was almost completely covered with solar panels and capacitors. Without atmospheric interference, direct exposure to Dodger's sun generated a huge amount of power that was invested almost entirely back into the Empire's insatiable industrial machine. Both of Dodger's moons were riddled with mines, periodically taking advantage of the lower gravity to split large chunks of purified metal into orbiting nets via mass drivers. From there, cargo vessels dragged metal past the collection of captured comets being mined for hydrogen to fuel the growing fleet of dodge tall vessels and to the shipyards themselves. Even from Meridian Station, the shipyards glowed, a million white-blue fireflies as welders flickered in the darkness, from tankers and cargo ships to the two-kilometer-long skeleton of the first Dodge Tull capital ship. Work continued to all hours. Already, almost one million Dodge Tull lived in the various stations of the vault, and with each day that number only grew. Thridak waved a Grasper, zooming the hologram in on the lunar mines. Despite heavy automation, each moon had almost fifty thousand Dutch skull excavating literal tons of metal on a daily basis. Already, Bukai estimated that it would only be a matter of decades before the moons were completely stripped mined of heavy metals, at which point it would be time to move out of Dodge's orbit and in search of new sources of metal. That was why her daughters had ended up in one of the rare disagreements. Thridak's sighed, waving a grasper through the hologram and causing it to disappear. She turned her gaze to where Katsan, Bakai, and Dallas stood in her office, none of them so much as glanced at each other, instead fixing the entirety of their attention upon her. So, Dreelak began a wry chuckle that quickly lapsed into a short bout of coughing. It sounds like your dispute is over how fast we should expand and what the expansion should look like. Is that right? Yes, mother. Bakai took a step forward, wobbling slightly in the fork's gravity created by the habitat's constant spinning. We've all agreed to avoid exporting Dutch any more than necessary. But as things stand, we need new resources of hydrogen, exotic elements, and heavy metals sooner or later. We have enough cargo vessels to start putting together new mining and industrial colonies on nearby asteroids or moons. We've even started putting together a pair of O'Neill cylinders that we could put in orbit around one of the nearby gas giants. From there, it'll be a flick of the tail to start exploiting its moons and atmosphere. But, Darla shot a quick glare at his sister, even if we have the technology to start exploiting nearby planets, we shouldn't run the risk of cultural drift. If the colonists can't quickly and easily communicate with the rest of the species back in Dodge, it's only a matter of time before we lose our greatest asset, our identity. What we really need... Dallas turned to Thridak, speaking with an uncharacteristic intensity Is some way of maintaining our unity I propose we create something like an old human internet A repository of knowledge and culture that every tull can access Regardless of where they are stationed in the system We would be able to exchange everything from films and music To research and schematics at the speed of light The entirety of our civilization would always be within our graspers At only a couple minutes' notice It'll be expensive and take time, Dallas was permanent, a hint of fire in her eyes, but we can create a network of interconnected satellites orbiting the sun. The satellite would serve triple duty as transmission stations, receivers, and data repositories. They would be a distributed network. Even if the satellite you sent to query didn't have the exact information you needed, it could quickly acquire that information from one of its sisters." Without the network, we would only be able to communicate with each other when Dutch is in line of sight with the colony. Thridak finally turned to Katash. Her last daughter was silent through both of her sister's pictures, but she shook her head the entire time. Thridak waited a second for her to speak before motioning with a grasper to spur her overly taciturn daughter into action. Both of their plans are sound ones, she spoke curtly, her voice slightly clipped. Every day our need for materials grows, and security more needs to be a top priority. At the same time, the persistent threat caused by the Marxists demonstrates Dallas' wisdom. Just two months ago, they bombed a hydrogen refinery just down the coast from Hope City. Over twenty lives were lost, but... Katash falls, collecting herself slightly, clearly uncomfortable with the making of such a verbose speech. "'We can't defend ourselves,' she continued, building up speed as she focused herself to keep speaking. "'We only have a handful of screening vessels and a pair of torch ships. That isn't enough to properly protect Dodge, let alone the cargo ships and far-flung colonies.' "'Cut!' Bakai interrupted, throwing her graspers in the air. "'What is there to be afraid of? I know we'll need to build warships eventually, but for right now our priority needs to be expansion.' In a decade, this system needs to be the backbone that we can lean on when journeying out into the galaxy itself. You forget, Katosh replied, speaking slowly with a slight frown at her face. We don't know where the invader ship that shot the Ark down went. It might have returned to its home, but it also might be somewhere nearby. We know that it was a dangerous journey here. There's a good chance that it is severely damaged and couldn't risk the jump home." Personally, I don't want to risk running into the invaders while unprepared, even if the risk is small, and it requires us to slow our pace of expansion. Caution seems to be the correct plan at the moment. It would be possible to use the Navy as a unifying force. Dallas interjected hesitantly, My project could wait a decade or so if we can focus on Imperial service. Maybe we make colonial postings only available to those who have served in the navy as an effort to ensure that our sense of unity is imprinted on the, any colony we found. How many ships do we need to build, Katash, before we can continue our expansion? Bukai glared heatedly at both of her sisters. Twenty new ships? Forty? Just give me a number and I'll make it happen. Those Kathra glass screeners only take about six months to slip time. I can juggle a couple queues around for cargo and passenger construction, and we'll be ready to go again in a year or two, tops. It isn't just the screeners we need, Bakai. Katosh replied coldly, clearly put out by a sister's dismissive tone. Our current fleet organization charts calls for one capital ship, four torch ships and twenty screeners to protect Dodge. I would recommend at least two patrol and protection units consisting of one torch ship and four screeners each. Anything less than that would be a gamble and put our daughters at risk ships and capital ships Bakai's tail twitched uncontrollably Those take years You're asking for almost half of my slips for five years It's like you're trying to crack open my eggs and leave the yolk to rot in the sun Bagai Redak interjected sternly Language I know you're excited But there is no need to become vulgar during a planning meeting Now let your sister speak Thank you, Mother. Katosh and Glide ahead at Redak. We need the torch ships because of their more efficient engines. Screeners are fast and agile, but their fuel efficiency is rotten. Theoretically, they can travel around the solar system on their own, but most of that involves putting them on ballistic courses and waiting months for them to get to their targets. Plus, none of them carry the armor needed to properly slug it out with kinetic weapons and missiles. A torch-ship might be slower to accelerate, but their heavy fusion engines will get them where they need to go with fuel to spare. As for the capital ship, Katash lifted her graspers so with a very human-like shrug. It's basically a gigantic torch-ship. I just want the Empress Dak on hand in case we actually hit a snag. After all, overwhelming firepower is the best kind of firepower. Katosh, Threedak tapped her fingers on the grasper on the table in front of the couch, "'What did you say our Empire's first capital ship is going to be named?' "'We are unanimous on this, Mother,' Kadash replied implacably, while Dallas squirmed and Bakai smiled. "'Even Pengrat designed its coat of arms. "'The Navy High Command is in agreement that the flag vessel of our home fleet will always be the Empress Three-Dak, "'for the name being passed to new ships as larger and better warships become available.' Fine, she growled, her neck pouches swelling up deflated as she tried her best to steer her daughters down. We built the ships Katash requested while preparing essential infrastructure for colonies. I want us to be ready to mine as soon as we're sure that Dodge is safe. Five years passed in the flick of a membrane and a flurry of activity. In the meantime, the Marxists grew from a joke to a persistent annoyance in part, the lack of expansion forces more and more Dutch to live in the stations and shipyards of the belt. Even with the race's imprinted unity, many begin to grow disaffected with the stagnant conditions and low gravity that tore at their bodies. Finally, the first colony fleet launched. Every worker on that belt got a full day off devoted to fermented grain, music, and general revelry. It's true that they already had colonies on Dodge's moons, but this was different the Dodge Tull were about to permanently step out of their orbit, yet another step towards seizing their collective destiny. After the first day, some expeditions shined wore off on the common Dodge Tull, but Thridak was still riveted by the hologram in her office. Almost hourly, she checked for updates as the torch ships, with the four screeners magnetically sealed to hardpoints on its planks, led the collection of mobile construction vessels, transports, and freighters to Hector. A moon orbiting Gabriel, the nearest gas giant to dodge. Hector had been selected for two major reasons. Firstly, it had low enough gravity that landing craft would begin the process of settling without too much difficulty. Secondly, most of the moon's surface was covered in ice. At some point, Gabriel's gravitational forces tore apart two to three of its other moons, creating a mineral-rich belt of asteroids around the larger planet. Hector would serve as an ideal central resupply depot for the fleet of mining vessels that would come in a later wave, intent on exploiting the bounty of mineral wealth orbiting Gabriel. Soon, the plan was to move onto the planet's other moons, one of which was almost half the size of Dodge. Achilles would likely need an elevator just like Dodge, but early experiments indicated that its rocky surface was rich in trapped deposits of oxygen and nitrogen. With 30 to 50 years of terraforming and a huge amount of greenhouse gases, dodgetile would be able to walk its surface with little more than thick coats and supplemental oxygen. It would be an absolutely perfect new home for the species, but it was no more hostile than what the mountain climber faced while hiking. Still, that was all in the future. For well now, Threedak's eyes remained glued to the green triangle that represented the torch ship and the series of circles that signified the civilian vessels as they grew ever closer to their prize. Then, a yellow triangle flickered to life on the map. An unknown contact. Threedak frowned, staring at the blob of light as if willing it to try and reveal its secrets. There it was a full planet out near one of the moons orbiting Michael. Another gas giant Another yellow triangle sprang into being beside it A third triangle appeared She hissed, drawing breath in suddenly through her sharp and gleaming teeth Three ships in her solar system She stood and began pacing Her legs padding quietly against the metal floor As Thredak repeatedly wrung her hands Identity confirmed Katasha's voice erupted into the silence of Thredak's projector As all three triangles suddenly turned crimson Unknown vessels are invaders. I repeat, we have encountered the invaders. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumpf. Like, subscribing, following, and more importantly sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I'll see you in the next video. Cheers.